I think the Lord's taking us somewhere. I want to go, don't you? All right, Mark chapter 10, verse 40. Well, no. Right chapter, wrong verse. Trying to think of where we want to start here. Let's, verse 39, Mark 10 and 39. Mark 10 and 39, they said to him, we can. Now, what are they talking about? We can. We have some brothers that have come to Jesus asking, hey, you know, when you get to your, we'd like to sit here and there in heaven on your, you know, we want to be positioned. We'd like to have a position. I know you never met anybody like that. We'd like to have a position, Jesus, when you come to your kingdom. And he said, well, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Can you drink of the, you know, can you do this? And they said, we can't. You know, when somebody's looking for position, they got all kinds of ideas about what they can do. We can't. And Jesus said to them, you shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I'm baptized with all, shall you be baptized? Got that? Verse 40. But... To sit on my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. I would tell you there's something prepared for you and for me. Now, verse 41. And when the, and when the ten heard it. Now, ten, that's the other ten. They weren't the two that ask. That's the difference that's being drawn here. They were probably judging the other two that had asked, right? Because that happens. When the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with the two, James and John. Get the picture now? James and John said, hey, in one passage, their mother came and asked. Right? Moms wanting things for their kids, even when they're grown up. Right? I know no adult kids can relate to that. Right? I'm looking at some of these older kids in here, and I'm thinking, yeah, I bet your mom and dad want stuff for you, too. And so James and John are asking for this. And then Jesus says this. And then the other ten are like, I'm glad we didn't ask. Now, the good news is nobody but Jesus really knew what was in their heart. They were probably like, hmm, let's see, maybe we should ask. But they had the luxury of not having opened their mouth. Right? And so they looked at the other two and they were displeased with James and John. Verse 42 but Jesus called them to him, and he said to them, Now, this is what I want us to get today. We just needed to read those couple verses for context. But now I want us, we're talking about something prepared for you. Jesus said it's given for the one that it's prepared for. You can't forget that. You need that context or that context. There's something prepared that God would give to each person in his kingdom, place in his kingdom. There's prepared place in his kingdom. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Again, he was not talking about heaven later on. He couldn't have been. If you read that whole chapter, it wouldn't make sense. If he was talking about heaven in that chapter, then the stuff he said later on doesn't fit with what he said at the beginning. When he said, I go to prepare a place for you, he didn't say that where I'm going, there you may be also. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. 
Where was he? I'll tell you where he was. He was standing on the earth with them. He was the manifested God in the flesh, the body of Christ in the earth, doing the works of the Father. That's what he talked about later on after he made that statement. He said, I go to the Father, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. So he had to go to prepare a place for you and I. Why? Because there can only be one body of Christ in the earth at a time. Some of you are like, what in the world did he just say? Let me just say that again. He had to go to prepare a place for us because there can only be one body of Christ in the earth at a time. Jesus Christ, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians. And we are complete in him who is the head. Still talking about Jesus Christ. He is the head of all, not some, all principality and power. Okay? So Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. You and I could never be the body of Christ as long as Jesus Christ was here on the earth in bodily form. Does that make sense? So he left. His spirit returned. The same spirit that dwelt in Christ, if it dwell in you, it will also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies. Jesus departed. That's why they saw Jesus Christ ascend into heaven. He departed. And then on the day of Pentecost, his spirit filled the church, and the church became the body of Christ in the earth, a place that he had prepared for us. You with me? Okay, so now let's get back to Mark. So there's a place prepared, a place in him, in the earth, okay? So Jesus called them to him, and he said to them, You know that they which are counted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. He's just saying, hey, you know in the Gentiles, in the world system, they have hierarchy structures. That's what Jesus just said. There's a hierarchy structure in the world system. There's managers and assistant managers and supervisors and, right, that's hierarchy system. Jesus said, in the world system, there's hierarchy. Okay? And they exercise authority one over the other. Verse 43. But so shall it not be among you. Everybody say, it will not be among us. Now, Jesus was not saying there would not be spiritual authority. But he's saying there's not this hierarchical system where one is better than the other, one is... One is inferior to the other. One is superior to the other. He said, it's not going to be so among us. He wasn't dismissing spiritual authority and order. But watch. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. That word there could also be translated your servant. Verse 44. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. And then he gave himself as a reminder and an example in verse 45. He said, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to or not to be served, but to serve or to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He was our example. Jesus said, 
In the world system, there's these authority structures where people rule over other people and there's this hierarchical system and some people are superior and inferior. He said, not so among the people of God. Not among my disciples, he said. Because remember, they were wrestling about position, authority, place. No, no, no. You're not going to wrestle over that stuff among, in my people, my disciples. He said, here's the way it's going to work. The one that's going to be the greatest among you, he's going to be the servant of all. He's going to be willing to minister to everybody. The one that's chief among you, he's going to be willing to serve and minister to any and everybody else in the body. These disciples of Jesus Christ. He said, that's how it's going to be among you. And just in case you're wondering about what I'm telling you, he says, consider the Son of Man who came as the King of glory, robed himself in flesh, humbled himself, and took on the form of a servant. He came not to be served. If anybody should have been served, it should have been him. But he came not to serve or to be served, but to serve. And what was the example or the end of his service? He served to the point that his life became a ransom for many lives. There is a place prepared for you and I in the king. I, I can't take your place. You can't take my place. There's a lot of scriptural precedents for that. We don't have time today, but I'll give you one just so you know. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh to preach the gospel. He had a place, the gospel during the time that he knew, the good news that he had during his time. When I say the gospel, I mean in terms of the good news. Jonah had good news to take to Nineveh. That was a strong word, but if they would obey it, it was good news. So he, took the, he was called to take the good news, to, and he's like, I got no interest in it. Matter of fact, I don't care for Nineveh. They've done some terrible things to Israelites. They've got a terrible reputation. They're barbarians. They're heathens. I don't want to go because I know if I go, God's going to, and they respond, God's going to forgive them. Now, you can read all of Jonah. That's what happened. That's why he didn't want to go. He knew. I'm going to share the word of God, and they're going to respond, and then those people that I'd really like to see get punished for what they've done, God's going to have mercy on them. That's Jonah in paraphrase, but I promise you, that's exactly how it was. And so Jonah said, I'm not interested. So I'm going to show God how not interested I am. I'm going to buy a ticket to go somewhere beside Nineveh. Matter of fact, I'm going to get a ticket that goes opposite the direction God has asked me to go. Read it, right? I don't remember. Where, where did he buy the ticket to? Tarsus? Tarsus? Something like that. Somewhere. It was opposite. Ooh. Some of you go in the opposite direction just because you're afraid of what God's asked you to do or you're afraid of the outcome. God does not work to please you and I. He works to satisfy the purpose of his kingdom. And so Jonah went the other way. And so God said, you know what, fine. You don't want to do what I want you to do? I'll get somebody else. Right? He didn't, did he? How come God didn't just get somebody else? This was a calling and a purpose on Jonah's life. He had to respond to the calling of God. Now, thank God for his mercy. He sent a great fish, caused a storm. You know, the Lord will bring storms to get you back in alignment with his will, if that's what it takes. Some of you, you've had some storms the last little while. You've been going through some junk, 
and you're thinking, why is this happening to me? Because God loves you, and he's trying to get you back in alignment with his will and his purpose. Oh, it's not the punishment of God. It's the love of God. That storm that caused those people to pitch Jonah out of the boat, that wasn't the punishment of God. Now, if if they didn't get him out of the boat, it was going to get really messy pretty quick. But it was the love of God to get Jonah where he wanted him to do the work that God... See, because Jonah needed to fulfill the purpose of God, just like you and I have to fulfill the purpose of God. And so there's a place prepared for us, but the place that's prepared for us is not to please me. It's to fulfill the purpose of God. And so God didn't get somebody else. He sent a storm. And then the storm, he put it in the hearts of men to pitch Jonah overboard. They resisted at first, right? Because, oh, we can't do this to you. Then finally they're like, you know what? Your life or ours. Sorry, buddy. See ya. See, you didn't know Jonah was so so rich and full of stuff. They pitched him over, right? A great fish comes, swallows him up. He's three days in the belly of, the, of this great fish, and finally the fish vomits him up. And lo and behold, he happens to be pretty close to Nineveh. Funny how that works. Hey, we're talking about Jonah this morning. We'll get back to Mark. We need to learn this. If we truly pray and desire the will and the work of God in our lives, God will get us where he wants to get us. Sometimes we really kick, fight, and scream on the journey. I would not have chosen to get where God wanted me by getting swallowed by a big fish and then vomited out. Just saying, that wouldn't have been my choice. Probably wasn't Jonah's either. But he did pray in the belly of the fish, didn't he? He did pray down there. Some of you are here today just because you've prayed and God said, okay. I can start turning your circumstance. My circum- the circumstance was his design to get you where he wants you. All right? So that happened. That's Jonah. That's the reason. That, that's why I say to you, God won't just get somebody else. There's things prepared for you and I. But we've got to know this comes through this Spirit of service. Now, Brother Martin shared this story at the outset. And and he obviously intentionally didn't share names or lots of details. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit more uh, because I've had the the privilege of hearing and rejoicing in the story. Uh there was a situation that was uh, brought to our attention uh, of a family and that has, has come along the journey. And different reasons in life has kept them from being able, from being able to be here in the last several uh, little bit. And life can do that sometimes. And uh, it, it, has, it has truly kept them from it. It hasn't just been an avoidance. And so... Uh, this family finally reached out to another family in the church that's been helping us check up on them and, and just genuine care. And they expressed some need. Some simple thing. What kind of need? Well, we got like three or four projects around the house that need to get done that we can't do. Simple things. But things they just needed help with. And so... Uh, I said, absolutely, let's do it. Get a clear list and then 
let's gather the men that's needed to do it. And uh, so anyway, yesterday, he told the story. They went. He had a free day. They didn't need him as far as he was concerned. Right? They got this. They don't need me. Ah, I'll go ahead and go. And he went to help take care of these projects. I think one thing was cleaning out a dryer vent that a bird had built a nest in and then putting a screen over it. I think one thing was helping work on some irrigation pipes and working on a bathroom fan that needed to be really spiritual stuff. You with me? Really spiritual stuff. That, right? I'm not being facetious. Really spiritual stuff. See, sometimes we're never walking in the spiritual things that we want to walk in because we've determined we're above certain tasks. Whoever's greatest among you will be a servant of all. A servant of all. Now, so he stepped into this situation. Did you clean out the dryer vent? He cleaned out the I didn't know who did what. So he cleaned out the dryer vent. Super spiritual. I got a dryer vent. And he's no. <laughs> right? Cleaned out the dryer vent. Spiritual thing, right? And then he shared the story, an opportunity. He's passing by through the home. A door opens. He begins to share something about giving and receiving and recognizing that somebody needs to receive. Ask. And a conversation ensues. He asks if he can pray. Kneels down in front of an individual. Begins to pray with him. The Spirit of the Lord ministers there in the room and begins to speak to this family there in that moment of time. Two ladies that were there, never been here before in their lives. But God was ministering to their life. See, cleaning out a dryer vent was spiritual. We need a perspective on what it is to serve. Now, this is here's, here's where it gets confused in, in our world today, if we're not careful, is churchdom has crossed over this line from serving in a spiritual sense to simply serving in social justice. God did not call us to social justice outside of a spiritual work. I want to say that again. I want to make sure we hear that. God did not call us to social justice outside of a spiritual work. You say, well, I'm going to make meals to feed the hungry. I think that's noble. I believe God can and will use that. But if I'm simply doing that out of the goodness of my heart to feed hungry people and I'm not waiting on the Lord to be engaged and involved in spiritual work through that ministry, then it's simply a work and an operation of my flesh. I'm not saying somebody won't be thankful for the food. You understand? I'm not saying you're wrong if you're feeding somebody that way. But our purpose and our calling, the place prepared for us, is a spiritual work. And so if I engage in these social engagements, I'll, I'll call it that. You understand that? 
me using that word. If I engage in these social engagements, I must be going, what is the spiritual purpose here? God, I want to be in tune and sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I want to flow and operate in your spirit. God, when I'm passing out meals, I, I want to be sensitive. There's going to be a need somewhere that no matter how hungry they are in the natural, the only thing that can fill it is living bread and living water. And you dwell in me and you sit out of my belly would flow rivers of living water. So I want to be sensitive to the spiritual need that is greater than any social need. Because the answer to society needs is always a spiritual issue. Always first. And so Jesus is addressing his disciples. And he says, if you're going to be great, it's going to be because you're a servant. Because you minister. Because you're willing to give of yourself to serve somebody else. But we need to understand, Jesus was not just looking for people to pass out fish and bread and do social things. He was looking for people that were in tune and fellowship with Him, that had the heart of God and the Spirit of God, that when they engaged in serving somebody, they were looking beyond the natural into the spiritual and recognizing there's a need here greater than what meets the natural eye. There is a need here that is spiritual in a heart and in a life, and I've been filled with the Spirit of God, and therefore I must serve the need as the Spirit of God operates through my life. This is why Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. He wasn't talking about the meal you received for free if you got it for free. He's saying, I gave you the gift of life when I baptized you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You received that freely. Now you need to walk out and you need to serve somebody and freely give. There's got to be an outflow, and it comes through service. It comes through service. Let me give you a scriptural example. This is something the Lord's going to, we've got to let him take us there. Because if we're going to reach our world, he's going to reach it through serving the world. But not through social justice service. Through spiritual sensitivity to the leading of God of where he'd have us be involved. And when he involves us, we'll know because there's an outflow spiritually. We find the scriptures in the book of Acts. You want to see it in practice. In the book of Acts chapter 6, we find a need arise. The Bible says that the church was multiplied and that there arose a murmuring in that day in the church. I know it's hard to believe. But this murmuring arose in the church. And the reason the murmuring arose was because the widows were being neglected in the daily ministration. Plain English, the widows were not getting all the attention that in service that others were getting. And if you dig deep into this and you look, you have two different segments in the church in that day in Jerusalem. You have the Hellenistic Jews. All right. That's those that came out of Greek. All right. You have that group of Jews. And then you have the uh, the Jews of Judaism, the Hebrews. And you got this, this split. Well, the murmuring came between these two groups because the Grecians, the Hellenistic Jews, said, hey, our widows aren't getting the service they should be getting. Study Acts chapter 6. It's in there. And so, see, it's between the Grecians and the Hebrews. They were both in the church, one Hellenistic Jews, one Hebrew Jews. They're neglected. Verse 2, since you got it up there now. So the 12, the 12 apostles, they called the multitude of people to them. 
the disciples, they came to him and said, hey, it's not reason. We're not saying it's not valid, but it's not a reason that we should leave the word of God, our place prepared for us, the calling that's on our life, the ministry that we operate in in this role. I'm sure they had served tables along the way. But they were saying, this is not a reason, this thing you presented. We shouldn't leave it to serve tables. The calling was a calling to service. They needed someone to serve tables. Yeah? Okay. Verse 3, watch what happens. So they said, hey, tell you what, brethren, why don't you look out among you seven men, honest report, full of Holy Ghost, wisdom that we can appoint over the business. Keep going. And so they did. They point out these seven men, and they said, we're going to give ourselves to prayer in the Word. They find these seven men. They name them. Now, what's interesting about this, if you read this, they chose the, the same pleased the multitude, and it names the ones they chose. Stephen, full of faith, the Holy Ghost. Philip, Pocrus, Nicanor, Timon. Now, all these seven men that they choose, if you look at the qualifiers for them, you think, hold on a minute, they're just serving tables. Anybody can do that. Can you go back to the verse before? Before? Three. Try three. There you go. Table servers, right? How many of you here think you could serve a table? Raise your hand if you think you could serve a table. Honestly, this isn't a trick question really. Well, maybe. If you think you could serve tables, raise your hand. Look at that, every single one of us. All right, we think we could serve tables. But here was the qualifiers that the apostles gave. Because this is just a natural thing we're doing. I mean, anybody can do it because we're just serving tables in the natural. Right? Hmm. They need to be of honest report. They need to be full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. Hold on. If this is just a natural social service that we're doing, why do we need all these qualifiers? I mean, really, if, if the service is just serving tables and it's just a natural thing and it's just a social good, why do I need to be full of the Holy Ghost? Why do I need to be full of wisdom? Why do I need to be a man of honesty? Why does that matter? Anybody can serve a table. Oh, because the calling was not one just to natural service. The Lord had prepared a place. He needed somebody to serve, but he understood. If they're serving in the kingdom, they got to be serving from a place of spiritual work that I want to do. And so the apostles understood this. So when they said, when you're appointing somebody, don't just go somebody that meets the minimum qualifiers. Find somebody that has a proven relationship with God. Find somebody that has some depth of spirit and wisdom. Because they may start serving tables, but if they've got a heart to serve and they've got this going on in relationship with God, there will be an opening for spiritual ministry. So you can't just pick somebody because they have the talent to do it. Ooh, I felt that. I, you're going to find this hard to believe, maybe. In my life, I know people who have gotten upset because someone less talented than them was called upon to do something that they had more talent to do. And they didn't understand why they weren't called upon when they had far more talent to do what the less talented person was asked to do. You know why? The attitude and the spirit of the less talented was far more in alignment with the will of God and the desire of God than the attitude of the more talented. Now, not always. Not always, you understand. God does not use us based on talent. 
Will he use our talents? Absolutely. But the issue is the heart and the relationship with God, the fullness of the Spirit. Because when he calls us to a work, this is why the Scripture says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all. Right? Whatever you're doing, do it as unto the Lord. All right? So, see, if some of us would take this attitude and approach into our jobs, we would begin to see spiritual work happen on our job. What we do, though, is we segment. Well, you know, my job is my job. And then I, no, no, no. If I'll get this attitude about I'm going to serve on my job. Lord, whatever I'm called to do, let me do it as unto you and let me have a heart of service. And I promise you, you watch, ministry will open up on your job. You say, well, I don't know that there can be spiritual things happening. On my- oh, yes, there can. The spirit, this, is, this, this is why the Lord told his disciples this. He was trying to get this principle instilled in their heart and in their life. He wanted to work through them. There was a place prepared for you. It's going to be given, he said, to whom it's prepared. But you need to understand this principle. The one that's going to be great is going to be a servant. And if you'll serve, expecting a spiritual outflow, not expecting a natural praise in return but expecting a spiritual outflow, then the Spirit of God will manifest itself. And so we're reading here in Acts chapter 6, and we see these men that they chose, seven men. They're table servers. One of them is Stephen. And we find it, if you go down just a few more verses, I should probably be here so I don't put those guys through so much pain. Those guys back there work in the Scriptures. If you go down in Acts chapter 6, they did this. They set them over... Uh, Verse 6, they sat before the apostles, they prayed, they laid their hands on them. The word of God increased, the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. A great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now watch verse 8. Table server Stephen. And Stephen, full of faith and power. Hold on a minute. One of the requirements wasn't to be full of power. Right. But there was a place prepared for him. And it was given to whom it, for whom it was prepared. And he served. And because he served, that that was prepared for him was given him. What were they wrestling over in Mark chapter 10? They were wrestling over authority. Stephen steps into the place of service prepared for him. One of the requirements was not to be full of power. But when he got in the place prepared for him and did it with a servant, a heart of ministry to serve, authority, power came to him. Full of faith and power. Watch what he did. He did a great job serving tables and he became employee of the month table server. Right? Stephen did it, but he didn't like it because he thought he was capable of so much more and felt like he was operating beneath his privilege. He served tables. And all of a sudden, something starts manifesting itself in his service as unto the Lord. Serving others, expecting a spiritual outflow. Why did he expect it? Because he was full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. He was of honest report. And when he begins operating in this need of service, he went serving, expecting more, available to God for more. And a spiritual door opened to him. And Stephen did great wonders and miracles among the people. And it came from a place of serving tables. Israel, you can cut people's hair. And you can be sitting there at that bar. Well, you better not be sitting down. They're sitting down. 
they're sitting, they're sitting there and you're cutting their hair. And all of a sudden you're talking to them and something opens in the conversation and they ask a question and you feel a quickening in your spirit and you're saying, I got to just tell you. And a flow begins to happen. And you're like, I didn't expect this. I was just doing my job today. But what happens when you've got a heart that says, I'm serving, I'm serving. And then there comes an out. I'm serving in the spirit of God, in the fear of God, desiring to fulfill a spiritual work or whatever he's prepared for me. There can be an outflow that takes place and it begins to minister to people's lives. I'm not surprised that so many in this congregation find yourself in service industries. My wife and I were talking the other day. We're like, if we get one more nurse or medical professional here, we're going to start a clinic. (laughs) By goodness. Two and a half years ago, when COVID kicked in, and there was concern about people, right? Uh, it was so funny. Bishop says to me, hey, says, you know, if you got people in the medical industry, you might need to consider like how their involvement is with the bodies. I'm like, Bishop, that's half the congregation. If we get sick, we can call on somebody. It's not coincidence. That you're placed in industries of service. Many of you have heard the stories If you haven't, you should spend time with her and talk to her. You've heard the stories of Sister Brittany when she's been in the hospital working room to room and she'll have a break and she'll go into a room where the Lord's just been dealing with her and she'll ask and begin to pray with people and witness to people. I'll never forget when I visited somebody there and she stepped in the room. We began to pray with a man together and the power of God that was flowing in that room and it became a testimony to other people. They're wit. What is that? She She's in her place of service, but she's doing as under the Lord. And in her place of service, there is a spiritual outflow because we understand I'm not just doing social good. I'm called something greater. I'm called to operate in the power and the spirit of God. And so as I seek to serve, whether it's cleaning out a dryer vent or whether it's taking somebody's blood pressure on my job. I'm waiting on the Lord. If I'm cutting their hair, I'm waiting. Whatever I'm doing, I'm looking for a way to serve. But I'm expecting a spiritual outflow because God's looking for an avenue of ministry. He knew service opens a heart to receive. Service opens a heart to receive. Would you stand with me this morning? Stephen, I think we would all agree, if we looked at his life, I think we'd all agree he was used by God. Now we pick up Stephen in verse number 5 of chapter 6. And by the end of chapter 7, he's dead. (laughs) Somebody's like, hold on a minute. We should have stopped where we were. I don't like the last part of this story. By the end of chapter 7, he's dead. But you read chapter 7. He had the ear of the religious leaders of Jerusalem. He had the ear of the council. And Stephen, a table server, is declaring the word of God from Genesis all the way to Jesus. 
And he's showing them how God worked through Abraham and the prophets and Moses. He's declaring to them the counsel of God and the word of God. Now, he could have said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to serve tables. I opened my mouth. I'm going to get in trouble here. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, I, I just sell houses. I don't sell Jesus. I right. Oh, no. We're called. We're called. We are called. I don't say this casually. I say this with conviction and fervor. We are called of God. Every single one of us that would yield and say, I'll take your name through the waters of baptism, who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, His Spirit dwelling in you was not just to say, I've got it. It was with purpose that there could be an outflow of spiritual ministry wherever we go to walk in, to operate in, to flow in. And see, this is why there's a challenge sometimes. We go, you know what, I'll just invite them to church. Let's figure it out. I'm not opposed necessarily to inviting people to church, but if that is our method of evangelism, it's not going to work. I have to be an outflow of the Spirit of God. Wherever he went, can you imagine if Jesus said, I'd love to work with you and in your life, meet me at synagogue on Sabbath and we'll talk. You'd be like, what? Yeah, keep carrying that casket. Meet me at the synagogue on Sabbath and we'll see what we can do about it. I know you can't see Bartimaeus, but if you'll get somebody to lead you to synagogue on Sabbath, we'll see if we can help you out there. I'm sorry you're lame, but if you'll get somebody, you know, I realize you just ripped the roof off and lowered this guy down, but it's, this is somebody's house. I need you to wait. Could you come to synagogue on Sabbath and we'll see what we can do about the guy that's got the palsy that's laying on the bed? Now, that's just silly, isn't it? But that's what we do if, if we default to, maybe I can just get them to come to church. You know what that's saying? That's saying, and this is what the Lord wants to help us understand. If I'm not careful, that's me saying, man, I don't know that the Spirit of God can work through me the way. He can. He can. He can. If I'll yield to His Spirit, submit to His Word and His plan, Say, here I am. Now, I don't get to say, now, Lord, I want the place on the right or the place on the left. Remember, that's what started the whole conversation in Mark. The Lord said, that's not, right? Jesus said, that's not mine to give. It's prepared. It's given for whom it's prepared. So here's what I do. I become content. Lord, whatever you've prepared for me, that's what I want. Wherever that place is, if I'm serving tables, thank you, Jesus. Let me serve tables and let me do it with all of my heart as unto you. And give me a sensitivity to the Spirit of God working in my life so that when I come in contact with someone, I'm ever listening, ever discerning, ever waiting on the Spirit of God, recognizing this may be the encounter that they didn't know they needed, but they're crying out and I hear the cry of their heart. And that question and that response that comes to me, you ever had this happen? Somebody asks you a question and you're like, oh, oh, but I can't say that. What would they think? Probably should have just said it. I don't mean like your mouthiness if you're mouthy. I mean like where you, you had a thought that you're like, I need to just tell them that. I need to ask them if I can pray for them right now and believe. Do it. Do it. Let there be an outflow. What is that? 
That's service. That's ministry. If anyone will be great among you, let him be a servant of all. We are called to service. I don't care if you're six years old or 60 years old or somewhere on either side of those numbers. We're called to service. But not in the social sense. Now, it may start in a social place. But I have a clear understanding. It's with spiritual purpose. And I'm just going to say this and I'll be done. If you're constantly engaged in social service, but you're not seeing any spiritual outflow, there's either one of two problems. Number one would be I'm not yielding when the door's opening or I'm not recognizing it. Or number two, I'm simply giving of myself to people who are only interested in the social things that I can do. They have no interest in the spiritual need. Does that make sense? Some people have no interest in the spiritual change. They just want to receive of the social good. So we have to discern so that our time as children of God is spent well doing the work of God in the kingdom of God. Is that all right? Amen. Would you talk to the Lord with me where you are right now? This is something the Holy Ghost is wanting to do in, with, and through us. Because He's wanting to reach to people. He's reaching to people. I think... I believe that as we've been talking, even this morning, for some of you, there have been people quickened to your mind. There have been circumstances and situations that have come to your thought. And so you have to recognize there's a calling on my life. There's a place prepared in the kingdom for me that I'm supposed to walk in and live in. There is something God has called me to, to operate in, and it'll come through service Maybe I've been looking, maybe not even realizing it before today. I've been looking for a position or a place when really all I got to do is learn to serve where I am. Help me to have a sensitivity, Lord, to your spirit. Show me where I can serve. Show me how I can serve. Let me recognize that there's doors on every hand and help me realize where you are setting the open door. And I can operate under the influence and power of the Spirit of God to be used for your purpose in this hour. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Forgive me, Lord, for being worried about being inconvenienced. Let me serve with a heart that pleases you. Let me serve to bring glory and honor to you. In the name of Jesus, 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 hallelujah. Come on, for some of you, the only reason you're not seeing many avenues of spiritual flow of ministry is because you haven't been willing to put yourself in a place of service yet. But if you'll submit to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, show me how, show me where, show me the way. Let me not seek any recognition of men. Let me not seek to gain the favor of men. Let me simply seek to please you. Let me serve from the Spirit of God with the heart of God as unto you. And give me a sensitivity to the need of those I'm serving. Let me minister through the power of the Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Use us, Lord, for your glory and for your purpose. Use us, I pray, according to your design and your desire. Use us, Lord, in the manner that you so choose. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Please hear me. Serving is not usually convenient. It usually disrupts our schedule. It usually disrupts our schedule. The Martin shared the stories. Like, they got it. They don't need me. He had to make a decision. I don't know how much he did or didn't wrestle. He had to make a decision. Man, I got a free day. I know he's been working a lot of hours lately. He had to make a decision. Man, I got a free day. They could handle it, the two of them. Uh, see, service will be inconvenient. And so if I only seek to serve when it's convenient for my schedule or when I feel like doing it, I'll probably miss a lot of opportunities. Now, we still need discernment. You've got to have discernment. You can't just engage yourself in anything and everything. Does that make sense? But I need discernment. You know, there's times, Brother Johnson, where I know, man, I don't want to go do this. But I feel this little nudge. Like, yeah, but I need to. And it's not because I'm a good guy. Oh, I'm good, so I'm going to go. No, I just feel that little nudge. Okay, Lord. And sometimes you'll do that. And you'll be like, man, I did it and nothing happened. Sometimes the Lord's just checking my motive and yours. Checking our spirit. Seeing if we're going to respond to him. See, this is what he's talking about when he said, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to lose your life. You're going to give me the rule of your schedule. You're going to give me the run of your day. You're going to serve as unto me. See, if you lose your life for his sake, you gain it. There is nothing more fulfilling. Nothing more fulfilling. Than serving somebody else and then watching the spirit of God manifest himself in their lives. And show up and begin to speak to their heart and their life and realizing I didn't do that. God did, but he chose to use me. He chose to involve me. Man, I could get addicted to that. Just do that again, Lord. You know, that can happen. You can get addicted to that. The scripture says in, the God, in Paul's writing, those of Achaia, that they addicted themselves to the ministry. It doesn't mean to like standing in front of people and holding the microphone. They addicted themselves to serving. I want that kind of addiction. Amen. In Jesus' name. Last thought, I promise. I feel some of you going, man, how can I produce this? You can't. You can't. But if you will, with an honest and open heart before God, seek to submit yourself and say, God, here I am. I will. I will. Anoint my mind. Anoint my ears to hear and my heart to obey. And I will. I will. I'll open my mouth and speak, God. I will. I'll go. as you, I will, God. And you begin to posture yourself in that manner. And you begin to spend time with him, being sensitive to him.
He'll manifest himself. Amen? Praise God. God bless you. We'll be here Thursday night at 7. Who knows, maybe even before, but for sure Thursday night at 7. Saturday at 5 a.m. we'll be here. Greet somebody. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.